If you have your Bibles, open them with me to the uh, Gospel of Mark chapter 7 if you'd like to. There's a little passage of scripture that I intended to read at the end of the message, but I'm going to read it at the beginning of the message. And we are in a series, and in fact, I'm going to close out the series today entitled Change. We are in a season of change. Uh, we're in a change of season right now from spring to summer, but, but I believe that we're in a divine change of season. And I felt like the Lord dropped that in my spirit. And, you know, God changes the times and the seasons. And whenever God changes things, that means it's time for us to change. And uh, we talked about the change of heart that God wants to bring to us. And last week we talked about the change of mind. In fact, last week's message was change your mind, change your life. Well, today's message is similar, a little bit different. But it's already been touched on in our service here this morning. And, and today's title is, If You Change Your Words, You Can Change Your World. And we're going to talk about our words. We're going to talk about our tongue. We're going to talk about our mouth today. And uh, so, but I want to begin by reading a verse of Scripture or a little passage of Scripture in Mark chapter 7. And... It starts in verse 32. So Mark chapter 7, verse 32. Then they brought to Jesus one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they begged him to put his hand on him. And he took him aside from the multitude. And he put his fingers in his ears and he spat and touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed, and he said, Ephetha, that is, be opened. Immediately his ears were opened, and the impediment of his tongue was loosed, and he spoke plainly. So that's the word. Hold that thought If you have your Bibles open, keep it there, and I'm going to return to that a little bit later. Sherry, if you could bring up 1 Corinthians 13.11. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, everybody say, when I grew up. When I grew up, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. I used to talk a certain way. I used to be childish in the way I communicated, but I grew up and now I talk different. And so that's kind of what I want to talk about here today. So Father, we want to thank you for your blessing and your favor that you have already imparted to us through the words that we've heard already today. And I pray, Lord, that we would hear the word today and act on it. God, that wherever we need healing in our tongue, God, that you would bring that healing, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. Amen. Well, I don't... I. I think you guys already know all this, so I don't want to try to belabor the point. But, you know, words, words have tremendous power. We are aware of that. I'm pretty sure that we are. 
we know that in the beginning God said, and whenever he said something, it was done. Just boom. It was, it was, he spoke the worlds into existence. He, he spoke it by the word of his mouth and things happened. Well, we know that we're created in God's image and therefore because God speaks, we speak. And just as with the Lord, when we speak, our words have power as well. We can never underestimate the power of our words. Now, there's a guy by the name of Washington Irving, or Irving Washington, and uh, he said these words. He said, uh, the tongue is the only tool that grows sharper with use. All of our other tools get dull over time, but the tongue is going to grow sharper, and it will grow sharper either destructively or constructively, but it's going to get sharper one way or the other. The tongue is either going to get sharper in wounding or healing, in building up or tearing down, in redeeming or ruining. It's going to go one direction or the other, but it's going to go that way. So this is why we always need to be ready to check our words and to change our words. And this is what we saw when Paul said back in 1 Corinthians 13, he said, when I was a child, I talked a lot like child's talk. You know, I, I, I labeled people. I fussed with my friends. I tattled on them. I, you know, I, I used to talk that way, but I grew up. I changed. I needed to change. And what some of us need to hear today is that in the area of our communication, it's time to grow up. Can I get a good amen out there? Come on, don't leave me up here stranded. I've only got 29 minutes and i got to be done. It's time to grow up in the way I talk. It's time to go to a new level. It's a new season. It's a new day. It's a new time. And God's doing it. He's changing it. And he said, I've changed your heart. And I've called you to change your mind. But I'm asking you to, to deal with the words of your mouth. Because it's powerful. It's a tool that gets sharper. It doesn't get duller. It doesn't just come easier. You just don't grow out of it. You have to make certain adjustments in your life. And this is what we're going to talk about. I, I love the passage in the book of James. James talks about the tongue being an unruly, evil, full of deadly poison. He said, we can tame animals, but who can tame the tongue? Who in the world can do that? I want to tell you something, that the mouth is a monumental task to conquer. But with God's help and by the grace and the power of Jesus, it can be done. But I want to I want to address this. I want to first of all kind of look into our words. I want to do a little diagnosis of of our words today. What what is at the root of our words? First part I want to deal with, and then we're going to talk about speaking life into our world. Now, one of the things that you guys are aware of, when we go to see the doctor, oftentimes one of the first things they'll do is have you open your mouth, stick out your tongue, and 
say ah, or, you know, they'll check your mouth, they'll check your throat, and they're checking your tongue. Because often is the case that the tongue actually is a read of what's going on sometimes in your body. And so if there's something wrong, if there's something amiss, if there's something that needs to be dealt with, the tongue, it will manifest on the tongue. Well, Jesus told us that what comes out of your mouth, in Matthew 12, he said, what comes out of your mouth comes from your heart. So whatever your tongue is manifesting comes from another place on the inside of you. There's, there's a deeper, there's a root in it. It's not just... It's not just habitual stuff. This, this thing of our tongue isn't just things that are manifesting that are habits. They may be habits in our life, but they come from another place. And they come from a deeper issue. And so today I want us to kind of go into Dr. Jesus' office and sit down and say, ah. And let him do a little look into our tongue and see what's manifesting because there are symptoms of a sick tongue. And so let's look at them. I I only have three that I want to touch on here today. First of all, there's the arrogant tongue. Everybody say arrogant tongue. I love the book of Proverbs. It says in chapter 27, verse 2, let another man praise you. Let somebody else praise you not your own mouth. A stranger, not your own lips. Don't go around tooting your own horn. You don't need to do that. Let other people toot your horn. Don't be arrogant. Don't be prideful in the way that you talk. See, an arrogant tongue is a person who either has an exaggerated opinion of themselves, and there are people that are out there that think that they're all that, and a bag of chips, There are those people. They have an exaggerated opinion of themselves. There's that kind of pride. Or there are people that speak because they're so deeply insecure in themselves. They don't feel good about themselves. So they've got to talk in ways that they look better than they actually feel. Come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? In either case, it's pride. One is born out of a sheer arrogance that I'm better than. The other is a pride that needs to make themselves look good because down deep inside, they don't feel good about themselves. And so there's pride in them. So they go around tooting their own horn and, you know, they have this kind of better than and my way is better and, you know, that that sort of thing. They don't necessarily go around saying that they're the goat, the greatest of all time. But they, they have this feeling that my way is better, my thoughts are better. And here's the temptation of a person who speaks pridefully and arrogantly. They are highly susceptible to lying. A person who is lying, making themselves appear better or covering up their missteps in life, is a person down deep inside who's grappling with pride. They've got to exaggerate the truth. They've got to highlight their accomplishments because they want you to see, because they, you know, they, they say things in ways that want, they want to make themselves look better. And it just, it's just flat out deception. Paul said in Ephesians, he wrote to the Christians there, and he said to the Ephesians in chapter 4, stop lying. 
You think Christians don't lie? Oh, yes, they do. Come on. Why are you guys so quiet this morning? Are you already bored? Another thing that they're highly, a, a, a prideful, arrogant person who speaks this way, not only are they uh, oftentimes people who lie, but they are also people who tend to slander other people because a prideful person needs to put others in their place so that they exalt themselves. And they end up talking about and slandering other people. And let me just say this real quickly about the arrogant tongue. This is directly the attitude of Satan himself. The Bible said that Satan said, and you can find this in Isaiah chapter 14, I will ascend. I will exalt myself. I will be as God. That's where it comes from. And the only cure to an arrogant tongue, the cure to it is to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And lower your self-estimation and lower your exaggeration and stop lying and stop talking about other people trying to make yourself look better than you really are. You have to humble yourself. Amen. I love what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11.30. He said, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. Boast about, if you're going to boast, don't be talking about your better half. Talk about those areas that, you know, you, you, listen, you don't need to try to make yourself look good. If your life is in Christ, you look as good as you're going to get. You don't need to try to one-up everybody else in life. What you need to do is show people that, look what God can do with me. Look at me. How can... What can the Lord do with me? And that's boasting in your weakness. Amen. So some of us, probably not any of you in this room, have an arrogant tongue. But some of us have an angry tongue. Anger is a real, listen to me, it's a real and necessary emotion. But, everybody say but, because it's a big but. It's a big one. Everybody has to keep anger in check. It may come, and there are places where it's necessary, but all anger must be dealt with immediately, not given place to rule in the heart, and certainly not become... Uh, not to become the impetus behind how I speak and what I say. Because anger can be very destructive. Here's what Paul said in Ephesians 4, 25 and 26. He says there, stop telling lies. And let's tell our neighbors the truth. For we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Isn't that ama amazing, right? Verse 25 says, stop lying. Speak truth. And then the very next words he says, and be careful. Don't let anger control you. Don't let anger become the motivating factor of the way that you talk. Some of us have an angry tongue. 
Angry words can be bitter. To, they, they, they come out, there's bitter behind it. Spite, stirring up of strife, very destructive. When we speak angrily, we think we're making a point. That's why I'm doing this. I'm making a point. We don't realize we're crushing spirits. I'm trying to make a point here, like I'm yelling right now, you know, like I've been doing this whole message. Good point, thank you. But we crush spirits. Not realizing we're crushing a spirit. We're also trying to control people with our tone. We're trying to be in control because we feel things are out of control. And I want things to line up with what I want and how I feel. Angry talk is also the devil's work. It's also the devil's work. Not just the arrogant, not just the prideful talk, that, that person, but it's also, look at what he says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Does verse 27 up there, Sherry? And nor give place to the devil. So there you, get, there you have it. Paul's saying, listen, this very real emotion that actually God has given to us, this emotion of anger for the right reasons at the right time, if it's not held in check and dealt with immediately, can, can become a place where the devil gets a foothold. An instrument of Satan. To crush, to wound, to control. Amen. James talks about the tongue being like a fire that can set the whole course of nature on fire. And he said, and that from hell. It only takes a spark. You get a whole fire going. What, what do they tell us? The Chicago fire, they believed it burned, what was it? Some, any, an incredible amount, percentage of the city of Chicago started from a cow kicking over a lantern and a spark lighting up hay. Just takes one, you know, powerful, angrily word to bring destruction. The cure for an angry tongue is to speak with grace. Paul said that our speech should always be with grace. Colossians 4. Always be. Everybody say always. Our speech should always be with grace. You know what grace is? It's kindness when you don't deserve it. Because anybody who speaks angrily almost always thinks they don't deserve it. They're getting what they have coming to them. But grace is undeserved kindness. Amen. This is the, uh, you probably have seen this around the, the acronym of THINK before you speak. T-H-I-N-K. THINK. Ask yourself, is, about, is, is what I'm about to say, is it truthful? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? What's the end? Is it nurturing? Is it kind? 
Think before you speak. Amen. Amen. Then there's one other tongue issue that we might have, and it's the accusing tongue. There's the arrogant tongue, the angry tongue. But some of us struggle with this accusing tongue. This is what we call backbiting. Again, slandering, gossiping, perhaps betraying the confidence of another person. That, well, don't tell nobody else, but so-and-so, you know, come on. Anybody here ever heard somebody else say that? Not you, but somebody else. Paul said that in the last days, people would be brutal, they would be slanderers. The perilous times. And I think we live in those days, amen. The word slander comes from the Greek word that we get the word devil, diablos, devil from. That slandering and gossiping and backbiting and betraying another person's confidence to somebody else about their faults and about their weaknesses and whatever, that is devilish work. That's what the devil does. That's what Satan does. And <clears throat> you used to be. Satan used to be your father, but he's not your father anymore. That used to be our identity, but that's not our identity anymore. Amen. And we know that he's the accuser. Revelation tells us that he is the accuser who accuses the brethren day and night. And so whenever you and I involve ourselves in that, we are taking the bait of Satan. We are actually becoming an instrument of the devil in that moment, bringing accusation at people around us and people in our culture and people that we're working with as well as in our own family and in our own church. David said in Psalms 140 verse 3, he said, they sharpen their tongues like a serpent. Who's the serpent? Satan is the serpent. They sharpen their tongues like the serpent. A poison of asp is under their lips. Every time we speak in that manner, we literally are speaking poison. And the cure for an accusing tongue, can I just say it bluntly, is to shut your mouth. <laughs> it's just that clear. It's just that simple. What did he say? Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. That phrase in the Greek language literally means, it could be translated, don't leave the door open to Satan so that he can get in. Don't leave it open and then shut the door. What door is he coming in through? Very often, this door. This is why David prayed in Psalms 141, verse 3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. 
keep watch over the what? Come on, what? The door of my lips. Shut your mouth. Amen. You know, just like that silly little thing we just watched. My dad said, if you ain't got nothing nice to say, don't say it. Right? It's an old adage. But we do have to take control of our mouth. Just because, and listen, let me just say this. Just because you can say it doesn't mean you should. I believe I, I am, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Don't shoot me down. I am proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. I, I'm proud. I, I'm thankful for the First Amendment of freedom of speech, of freedom of congregating. I'm glad for those freedoms that you and I enjoy. But I want to tell you something. As a child of God, you're a child of God. You're a Christian before you're an American. And while in political realm, I want freedom of speech in my personal life, I have to surrender my freedom to say just what I want to say. Come on. And so, I can't just, by, by the heart of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit in me, I can't just go around saying whatever I want to say, however I want to say it. Amen. So, those are just some of the things behind the ways that we talk. And again, we have to go back to those root issues. Just simply Trying not to be arrogant or angry or accusative is, it's, what, what's, what's at the heart of just trying not to, just trying to talk better is simply not going to happen. It's not, it's not going to work in our own strength. We need to go to Jesus. Let him show us what's going on. Where is it coming from? Where are these words coming from? And then, the second thing I want to talk about is once you've diagnosed your words, then we need to declare life with our words. How are we going to change the world around us? That seems like a daunting task, doesn't it? And especially right now. Just see, how, how, you know, how are we going to affect change in the world? And let's just make sure... We're talking about all the believers and all of those who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we together can have an effect in the earth. At least that's what Jesus believed and commissioned us to do. Go into all the world. Go into all the world. His vision wasn't go into pockets of humanity and, and uh, you know, carve out uh, an existence of a few people who will be Christians and let them join the club and you guys just kind of us four and no more. That's not, that wasn't his vision. His vision was the world. The lost, dark, unregenerate, rebellious world. That was his vision. That was his commission. And so we're here to affect change in the earth. 
until Jesus comes again. And part of the way that we can bring change is in the power of our words. The power of how we communicate. The power, even, even bring legislation and even bring God back into things that has, where He has been pushed out. That comes through thoughtful, spirit-filled, articulate, speaking life into the systems. And into our neighborhoods and into our families and into the world. The world that is your world. Amen. Because the world really boils down to your world. And if everybody's affecting change in their world, then the world will be changed. Amen. Come on, church. I think we all know by now Proverbs 18.21. This should, this, if we don't have this memorized, this should be so ingrained in us that anybody that starts talking it, we can finish it. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. He tells us right there, it can go, it can be a destructive force or a constructive force. You're the choice behind it. If you love being constructive, then you're going to eat the fruit of that in your life. Amen. There's power. In our words. And we need to speak words of life where there's death. The other night I was having a really hard time getting to sleep. And I have been recently struggling with getting to sleep. I guess I must be getting old. I think probably that's what's happening. And, but there, you know, there was other things. I wasn't feeling well just other issues that I was grappling with in my own mind, having a hard time getting to sleep, tossing and turning. Then I found myself getting frustrated, anxious, and mad. And I thought, after about an hour, I thought, maybe I should pray. (laughs) Maybe I should try that. Maybe that will put me right to sleep, you know. So I started praying. And as soon as I started praying, I heard, not audibly, not audibly, but I heard these words, something like this. Prophesy to these bones, son of man. And I felt very... Like, I just felt like the Lord did that. I felt like God spoke that to me. What you need to do is speak life over yourself and over your mind and over what you feel like is just death. He said, I think it was this way, Son of man, speak to these bones. Speak to them. And so I just started saying that over and over. Over and over, I just started, bones live, death be gone, life come, life come, life come. And I fell asleep. But I wanted to just say that I feel like, some of us feel like our world is a valley of dry bones. My world is me, my wife, my children, my church family, my city, my nation, my place of employment. 
These are things. But sometimes you look all around you and it feels like everything's just nothing but a pile of bones. Lifeless. That's what Ezekiel felt when the Lord brought him there and set him down in the midst of the valley of dry bones. And he said, can they live? And he's looked, you know, I don't know the answer to that. You tell me. And you know what the Lord said to him? He said, man, tell these bones to live. And so Ezekiel said, dry bones? This is in the Bible. He said, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. He spoke right at it. Let me tell you something. Speak life over your life. Speak life over yourself. I love what says in Joel chapter 3 verse 10. Let the weak say, I am strong. Stop cutting yourself down. Stop beating yourself up. Build yourself up. You say, well, I've failed. I've messed up. I keep failing. I keep dropping the ball. I can never come. I can't seem to get it together. Listen, speak life over your life. You have to. You have to. Don't join in and speak angrily. And accusatorily, don't let the devil use your words to beat yourself up. Speak life over your life. Amen. Tell the dry bones in you, come alive. Come on. Come alive. Wake up. Get up. Get some new flesh on you. Get some new spirit in you. <clears throat> Speak to yourself. Speak life over yourself. How about your marriage? <clears throat> Speak life over your marriage. If your marriage is on the rocks, it's time to get your marriage on the rock. The Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Proverbs eighteen twenty one. If you remember, in verse 21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who eat it, those who love it will eat its fruit. But in verse 22, in Proverbs 18, 22, he says, the very next verse says, and he who finds a good, a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Now I know Proverbs can be taken separately like little nuggets, one verse and then another verse and then another verse. But I thought that that was interesting that right before the wife, the marriage, the relationship, that it said death and life are in the power of the tongue. Amen. I thought that was pretty good. And the very next verse, come on, you got a good thing in this marriage. Don't destroy it. Don't kill it. What you got is good. Now they may not be acting good. They may not be doing the good you think they should be doing. They may not be close to God. But life is in your tongue. And you can speak life into that valley of the dry bone of your marriage. Amen.
Marriage won't get better through arrogant, angry, accusing words. It'll just get bitter. But words, God-inspired and God-anointed and from the heart, the broken heart of humility, words can completely turn and right a ship going in the wrong direction. Listen, James said that the little rudder on a massive ship is like a tongue, that it, it, can, it can literally cause that ship to shift course. And we think of that always in the negative. But listen, I want you to think of it in the positive. Up here, I'm here. I'm here. I didn't fall down. I'm right here. We can think of it in the positive that that little rudder, that right word at the right time in the right way can right a ship going in the wrong direction. It's powerful. Amen. So I think James's words here need to be heard. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry in your marriage. Amen. I've got... Let me, let me get through a couple more here. We need to speak life over our children too. Have you ever noticed how children have a good way of finding your last nerve? I don't, they, wherever that last one is, they found it. Children have that way. We've already had a couple of things that have been spoken enough about children, so I won't dwell on it. But let me give you a scripture. Psalms 127, verse 3 and 4. Children are a heritage. From the Lord. That word heritage means an inheritance. This is God's inheritance to you. The fruit of the womb is a reward. God rewarded us with our children. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. A warrior doesn't want to go out to battle without his arrows. He needs his ammo, right? But before he takes it out to the field, he works over those arrows and sharpens them and fine-tunes them and just pours over them. They become his arrows. He knows. He's put the time, the effort, the energy, the love, the passion, the patience into creating these arrows so that he knows when he goes out into the battlefield, he's ready because he has his arrows. And I just want to say, fathers and mothers over our children, that you not only need them, but they need you. And they're going to go in the way that you shoot them. Just like a warrior takes the arrow and he fires at the target, so your children and my children based upon our words, are going to move in a direction that we have set before them. And we want to speak life into their lives. Amen. And so, I can't tell you, even today at 57 years of age, how much I value those affirmations, even to this day of my father. And let me just say this, just for, and this is going to go out over the airwaves, when I was younger, I didn't appreciate everything he said. I didn't want to follow everything he said. I didn't always necessarily believe in everything he said. But when I got older, I got wiser. Here, I thought he changed, and it was me changing. Amen.
And so I just want to, there's power in your words. It's never too late. It's never too late to continue to speak life and to bring direction to your children. One final thing that I want to just say, and then I'm going to wrap this up, and that is we need to speak life over our nation and over our city. Our world right now and our nation is in a shambles. It is the valley of dry bones out there. Can I get a witness? I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just just speaking it as it is. And the temptation that we have right now is to curse the darkness and just walk away. That's the temptation that we hold. That it's that bad, it's that awful. Just forget the whole thing. Hold on till Jesus comes. But that's not the way it works. Jesus said, I left you here to finish what I started. And that's what we need to do. And one of the ways that we do that is by our words. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17 says, Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Yeah, but it's a screwed up nation. Honor all people. Honor all people. Honor's a big deal to God. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God and honor the king. No room for prejudice. No room for anarchy. No room for, you know, just this, you know, just, just chaos and hatred and discord. We are to bring life into this broken world. And Paul said in Colossians chapter 4 verse 6, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought, not how you want, how you ought to answer each one. The world needs to hear the word of Jesus. And we got to deal with this anger issue, this arrogant issue, this accusing issue that we have in our heart. We've got to deal with it. Let Jesus touch us. The way we began this is how I want to end this. If you remember the story of the deaf mute. And they asked Jesus to heal this man. And the Bible says the man was deaf and literally his tongue was bound. He had an impediment. It wasn't that he couldn't talk. He couldn't speak. He couldn't speak. Jesus took him out and put his fingers in his ears because hearing, as we've already heard today, is key. Hearing the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. Hear the Lord so that you can speak the word of the Lord. Put his ears, his fingers in his ears, and then he spit on his fingers and touched his tongue. And he said, be opened. And the Bible said his ears could hear, and his tongue literally was loosed.
the bondages dropped off by the power of the touch of Jesus. You say, well, what's that spit about? What's that so gross? Well, I think it's, I don't know, I think it represents the very life in Jesus being imparted into your life. Like Jesus took of him and put it in him. That's what we need, isn't it, church? I can't change the way I talk in my own strength. I can't change the way I walk. I can't change a lot of things about me in myself. But if Jesus heals me, if Jesus touches me, I know I can be made whole. Amen? Let's stand together. Let's ask Jesus in closing right now. Let's ask the Lord right now to touch our tongue, to loose our tongue from those destructive words, those impediments that are not only hurting ourselves, but hurting people around us, slowly cutting off life. And let's ask him to heal us right now. Father, we thank you for your presence here today. God, and we thank you for your word of truth. And Lord, would you come and touch our tongue. Lord, touch our tongue right now. Lord, impart into us your very life, your very heart, God, so that what comes out of our heart, what comes out of our mouth, comes from a heart that has been touched and filled with your presence, with your grace, with your truth, with your goodness. Lord, we want to see our world changed we want to bring change into the world of our own lives and families and our, and our city right here and in our neighborhood. But God, we can't do it without the power of your words flowing through us. Give us your words, Jesus. Give us your words, Lord. In every conversation we have with our children and with our husbands and wives and with our friends and neighbors and even with that most that that person in our lives that is the most furthest away from you and seemingly the most hopeless condition god give us the words of what we ought to say we love you lord and we just give ourselves completely to you spirit soul and body today in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day.